When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Last Word on Spurs. We do hope you're keeping very, very safe and well. Thank you ever so much for joining us. And I many will laugh at this for potentially an update on Spurs' summer transfer window so far. Quietly, quietly, things might be starting to pick up. I'm joined, of course, when the word transfer comes to mind with John Malabri and Jamie Brown over at Daily Hotspur. Jamie fighting the corner for a quiet window so far. Jay, how you doing, bud? You okay? I'm very good, thank you, Ricky. Obviously, it would be nice to come on here and have some actual signings to talk about. But uh, yeah, obviously, Spurs once again looking to move kind of late in the window. Um, as I've as I've been saying, maybe on the WhatsApp group, I, I'm still kind of calm about it. We're obviously only a week or so into the window, so uh, yeah, looking forward to kind of discussing what we what we're looking forward to in the weeks to come. Are you suggesting, Jay, that some people in the WhatsApp group are losing their heads at the moment? <laughs> there might be a bit of that. I, don't, I, I think there has been a little bit of that. So, I have refrained for about 15 hours so far. I mean, I've been quite <laughs> well, to be honest with you, after I got telling off by you. Um, joining myself and Jamie, we're delighted to welcome this man back to last one on Spurs. He has been one of the most positive guys you would have probably known on view from the lane in terms of Spurs securing a top four finish, which felt like a long, long time ago now. It wasn't the season just gone, just for clear reference of that. We're joined by the brilliant journalist, Charlie Eccleshare from The Athletic, rejoins us. Charlie, how are you? I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, not bad. You're looking refreshed, Charlie, from covering Spurs for this season. I mean, does that happen very quickly, that refreshment? Or is it just the case that we've got a new manager in charge, a director of football coming in, it's almost a chance to kind of, let's go again? Yeah, I think so. I think the Postacoglu appointment, for me anyway, felt and feels like a really positive development, uh, especially, you know, I, I know there are a lot of comparisons with Nuno two years ago because both searches took the same amount of time, but where then it felt like they'd sort of just rush someone in because they needed to. I feel like Postacoglu is a really good appointment. And yeah, so I, I think, um, yeah, I think there are reasons to be, if not optimistic, then at least curious about what's what's coming next. No pressure, Charlie. There are already a lot of viewers watching saying, please give us some positives. But I think the one positive you did give us off air is that, look, it is still very, very early. And many won't let me saying that, but it is still quite early into the window, despite the fact we are seeing and hearing teams lining up deals. That's right, Jamie, you keep on, you keep on laughing, lining up deals. Uh, Charlie, I'm going to go straight in there and ask you the question, of course. Ange Postacoglu, appointed Tottenham Hotspur head coach on a four-year contract. Really keen to get your thoughts on that overall appointment, I think many will be intrigued to know from you personally, given your close links to the club, just how far he was up on Spurs' managerial shortlist. I'll just follow up afterwards on what you make of the fact that he may have to have an entire new coaching staff to join him. Overall thoughts on the appointment, Charlie? I think it's I think it's a really exciting one. He was definitely someone that was on their list from the start. It's, t- it's difficult to say, you know, necessarily who was first, who was second, who was third, etc. But he was there... Um, throughout everything apart from his age um fitted the profile really because they wanted someone to come in who could help change the culture of the club uh, who could play attractive football who was going to be positive who could kind of unite the fans behind the team and i think everything about his track record says he can do all of those things so yeah he ticks a lot of boxes for me on on the coaching staff i mean he's he's interesting because he said before on record that he likes having new coaching staff when he joins a club because it keeps him on his toes. Uh, he has to kind of prove himself again. He learns new things. So that's not going to face him at all. Um, yeah, maybe, you know, it might be nice for him to have one or two of the guys he worked with at Celtic, but, you know, that's not going to happen. But bear in mind, he went to Celtic with a whole new coaching staff. He joined during when COVID was still rampant and, you know, he, he'd moved at that time all the way over from Japan. You know, for most people, that would be something that might phase them. Not really for him. He threw himself into it. And I think it'll be the same uh, same at Tottenham. I have to ask this question, Charlie, and I know you approved it off air, so I'm not doing anything wrong here by asking you this. Um, look, it has been a fairly quiet start to a winner that's only opened over the past couple of weeks. It does feel like there's a lot more going on with other clubs at the moment, you'd argue. 
then Spurs. I mean, look, we've been linked highly with a goalkeeper, which we'll come on to shortly. But obviously this time last year, I think you was on, we were looking at tying up Richarlison. That would have been the third signing of the summer. At this point, we had already, of course, have the line, uh, Perisic through the door. And of course, we had another one as well coming through the door as well. You have to give me that that second signing we had as well at the time. Basuma. Um, Basuma. Yep. Thank you, Jay. Should we be concerned, Charlie? Should Spurs be concerned about a lack of either incomings or outgoings, given the fact that it feels like it should be a very, very big club for the summer? Or sorry, a big, a big, big change for the club in terms of potentially incomings, outgoings. Should Spurs fans be concerned? Postecoglou only just joining. Scott Munn yet to come through the door. Thoughts? I don't think at this point um, there's too much to worry about. I mean, just comparing it with last summer, thinking about this earlier today, Richarlison, that was a pre-July the 1st one because Everton needed to sell um, by the end of the financial year. So that kind of expedited that one. Perisic was done very quickly and that was a consequence of having obviously Conte in charge already. He knew he wanted the player. Difference this summer, obviously, Postacoglu has only recently come in. So that one... Um, couldn't really happen in the same way. Obviously, yeah, Basuma, Basuma happened more quickly. But I guess also you'd say none of those three were were huge successes. Um, you know, I still think Basuma is a great player and may well be a success. I think Richarlison may well come good this summer, uh, this season. A few people have said to me, actually, they think with, with Ange Postacoglu that could work really well. Look, sometimes these things take a bit longer. I'm not saying it will necessarily be a good window um, for Tottenham, but I don't think you can, you know, we're not, we're not even in July yet. Um, and I totally get it, especially when you look at other clubs and maybe they are moving a bit more, uh, a bit more quickly. And as you say, it's a big rebuilding job um, this summer for Tottenham. But no, I wouldn't I wouldn't be getting too panicked just yet. Now, obviously, someone else we saw arrive at the football club earlier this summer. And as we mentioned, he's going to start work um, at the start of July. Um, it's Scott Munn, um, of course. It does feel like he was quite important in the role of appointing Ange Postecoglou. Of course, they're from the same nationality. Um, of course, they've worked together before. Does does it feel like um, the fact that he was so important in appointing Postecoglou that Levy might maybe take a back step now and um, kind of allow him to, to really take on that role and, and have a lot of responsibility? Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, I think most people here will be saying, well, I'll believe it when I see it. Because in theory, yes, that is... Um, mm-hmm. that idea you know that the Scott Mann appointment came about they did a big sort of internal audit of how the football side of things were running and that was one of the things that came out uh was that there was an appetite for this this sort of position someone who could come in and act almost uh, as a conduit um so yeah I, th- I think I think there is that potential but you know we'll, we'll have to wait and see because you know, even when Paratici was was in place as the director of football, it was still Daniel Levy who led the appointment of Antonio Conte. A lot of people think that, you know, because Conte and Paratici are compatriots, that it was Paratici leading that. It wasn't. It was still it was still um, Daniel Levy. So, yeah, we'll see. That's definitely the idea and the theory behind it. And I think, obviously, in an ideal world, if Scott Munn is doing his job well and if he's trusted, then, yeah, you might see a bit of that. Um and look, he, he's very, he does come highly recommended. I think people within the club are excited about what he can do. I think he's a good operator. Sounds like he's got a good temperament, not a big ego or anything like that. So I am curious to see how that plays out. And obviously, as I'm sure we'll get onto as well, there's a director of football to consider. So, um, that, that, and, and Spurs as well, for all they get criticised, and I've been among them, you know, for for how the club is structured. They have made a lot of hires over the last few years. When you think of you know, Parati, obviously came in, Greta Steinson, Andy Scalding, Simon Davis, who's been promoted to the head of the academy, now Scott Munn. So I think there is definitely a recognition that they did need to tweak the system uh, that was too reliant on one man. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how it plays out with Scott Munn. You mentioned director of football. So that only feels right, Charlie, to ask you how you feel that search is going. And uh, with the nature of Tottenham, it feels really unfair to ask you to put a time frame on anything with Tottenham related, given, like I say, the nature of the football club. I would think you, well, I would think they'd like to have this done sooner or later so they can start to move on a number of targets you'd like to think. What do you think, Charlie? Is that realistic 100%. to think that? Yeah, 100%. But I mean, they would have in an ideal world had the director of football before they had the head coach because you know, the, the theory is that the director of football kind of sets the tone um, for the overall direction, brings in a head coach that aligns with that vision. 
there's a risk. I don't think this will happen, but there's a risk that you bring in a head coach and then you bring in the director of football afterwards who may be their vision doesn't quite align. So, yeah, we'll have to see on that one. But for sure, they wanted to get this done sooner. Um, and they will be doing everything to try and get it done. The problem is there aren't tons of candidates for this sort of role. Like I know from earlier in the process, looking at it, a lot of them were probably lower profile than what most fans were expecting. But then, you know, Paratici came in with a big profile. He, he was one of the one of those sort of celebrity directors of football um, if there is such a thing, I think there is nowadays in football, and it didn't really work out. Though some would say the deals he did were actually in the main pretty decent. But yeah, that's something they need to get sorted quickly. You know, it's um, it, it is it's an issue, and they've got you know they've got a team of people. I mentioned Greta Steinson before, people like that who are holding the fort. But that director of football is is a massive appointment for any club. When we ask him before, Jeremy just jumps back in there just to be a pain, sorry, Charlie. So at the moment then, is it a case where he'll simply be kind of offered profile of players, Postacoglu, and it'll be up to him to ultimately decide? I mean, I think that's a key question to ask, that if they don't have that director in football in place by, say, the end of the window, just hypothetically, mm. how is this current structure of bringing players in? I'm presuming he'll have his own ideas as to who he might like, and the club will also have their own ideas. Because as we've seen last season, that reference from Conte, club signings, came to mind how do you think yeah. it's currently working at the moment without a director of football if you don't mind me asking yeah no it's, it's a good question and I think that club signing thing is is really pertinent yeah we're almost exactly a year on from uh, Conte telling us that in career the about Jed Spence and then you saw that with someone like Dan Juma coming in and it was a bit like what's going on here it was pretty clear after not very long that 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 was Conte's view on that one too I mean basically uh, <laughs> The long and short of it is Postacoglu will speak to the recruitment team um, about what he wants and where they think the obvious gaps in the squad are. They'll then work to identify new players within and whatever the budget uh, the, the budget that's available. And and I think the club would be at pains to say that, you know, even without a director of football, the recruitment team haven't been sat there sort of twiddling their thumbs, not doing anything. They've been working to identify targets. They've still got, um, you know, someone like Leonardo Gavanini. Uh, who's kind of you know heads up the scouting operation with a bunch of guys working into him. So there are a lot of people there. So they will work with Antipostokoglu in the same way the director of football would once he's appointed. And then the manager does get the final say, um, which is why something like the club signing thing is maybe a little bit um, misleading. And why I think some people, when Conte said that, were uh, a little bit surprised Um because, yeah, that's how it works, that the, the manager doesn't, or certainly shouldn't, have signings foisted upon him. But I think what will be a really interesting subplot to all this is Postacoglu's tended to work with a degree of autonomy at his other clubs. He's probably not going to have that to the same extent at Spurs. You know, like any modern club, they've got the director of football structure. So it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out um, and how much his vision does align with the director of football and also how much the signings look like they're his or led by him, and how much they're led by by others at the club. I think this is going to annoy a couple of people, this question, and I'm going to say, obviously, Spurs, we have actually made a sign-in so far this window. Um, so we, we have got one on the board, and that's Dan Cheek of it. Um, <laughs> I know he was technically signed 18 months ago, but look, obviously, deal made permanent uh, with around £25, uh, 25 million pounds for him. Um, obviously, it was a difficult season for him last year. I think it was just two league goals for him. Um I mean, despite that drop-off, do you think Spurs have still got themselves a real kind of bargain here? Obviously, 23-year-old still. Um, and, and it sounds like they tried to do a bit of negotiating in try, trying to get the price down as well. So um, do you think Spurs have got a bargain on the hands still here with Kulisevsky? Yeah, funny enough, I was writing about Kulisevsky today. Uh, the piece we got uh, tomorrow morning. And yeah, I think it's interesting because, as you say, it was a difficult second season. He only got the two goals. He's still got a good number of assists. Um and he, I think as well, because he was so explosive in that first half of the season where he came in, helped Spurs get top four. His numbers were superb. It was five goals and eight assists in, in 18 games. Um, I think it is still a great deal. But, you know, you look at that money, 25 million, give or take, pounds, um, for a player of that age. He's 23. He has so much potential. The players all think he's amazing. I mean, I remember interviewing Christian, Christian Romero, and he singled out Kulisevsky. I know Emerson Royale was saying to players at the start of this season, like, whoa, this guy's just on fire. 
I think we forget as well, he got a thigh injury, a really unfortunate time in September on international duty, missed 10 games, came back within two minutes, had that amazing assist for Kane against Liverpool, then another really good assist in the next game against uh, Leeds for Benton Core. Then the World Cup comes. First game back, he gets another injury. And it was just one of those seasons. He only did the 90 minutes four times. Um, and I and from pe- speaking to people who know Postacoglu well, they they think he could really thrive under him. Like Posta, those wingers are so important to Postacoglu. You know, they, they're there to constantly take their man on. And when the other wingers got the ball, they should be in the box, you know, trying to get goals. The other thing that I spoken to a few bit about is the idea of him potentially playing as a number eight. Postacoglu's preferred system is with a six sitting and two eights either side of him, much like what City do. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I, I think Kudasevsky, because he likes playing in a more central role, did it a bit towards the end of last season as well. I think that's something that I'd like to see tried as well. Um, yeah, he, he's such a talented player. So yeah, I think I think last season... You know, he wasn't the only one who found it difficult going at times. Um, so, yeah, I feel quite optimistic for him. Do, do you think with, um, obviously, Porro coming into the team and and maybe going into a back four that we might see uh, Porro played as a right winger and maybe, as I think, as you said there, maybe Kulusevski playing as like an attacking eight. Do you think that's a possibility at all? Maybe. I, I'm always sceptical um, about the ability of fullbacks, I, th- I think he's a wingback. That's the thing. Like he, that just suits him so perfectly. I don't think he's, he's you know, he doesn't to me look like a fullback in a four, not yet anyway. I mean, we all saw what happened in that Newcastle game. I don't think he's beyond, you know, with the right coaching, maybe that could work. And or I think what you may see, you know, Postacoglu likes to have one of his fullbacks inverting, sometimes even both, but one of them inverting and then the other sort of really bombing forward, almost playing as a winger. And I think that could suit Porro. As for, as for whether he could play himself as a winger in a, th- in a front three, I think it's a very different skill because, you know, attacking from de- from deeper positions is very different to, as a winger, you're getting the ball so much higher up the pitch, you've got a fullback like smashing into you straight away. It's a lot harder in a lot of ways. I think Porro's best when he's building up that head of steam from deeper positions. You think of the goals he scored, uh, that one at Southampton, brilliant finish. But, you know, he's coming onto that from slightly deeper. And th- so I think that's where he's best. Um, but, but you know, and that throws up this issue that Tottenham have, that they've played with a back three for a couple of years now. The squad is built really for a back three. You've got a lot of wing backs there. You've got a lot of centre-backs you prefer to play in a three. So it's going to be really interesting to see that evolution uh, towards playing with a back four and, and Porro, um, Porro in particular. I have to ask you, Charlie, you said on the actual confirmation of him completing that uh, transfer to Spurs, I had to stand still and watch and wait for the decision to be made about my future. Unfortunately, I understood it took that extra time because many people had changed at the the top of the club and in the teams. But I'm now fine and I can't wait to be my future at Tottenham. I think it'd be good to know from you. um, You mentioned about Gabardini earlier kind of heading up that recruitment structure. I mean, Pratt brought a lot of different people into the club in terms of that recruitment structure. Do you expect it to massively change under Postacoglu's tenure? Or do you think it will stay the same in that club? Because it just feels like we talk about this kind of rebuild and transformation and ultimately a, a massive change at Spurs. Will that also, do you feel, be including the actual uh, recruitment staff and the way things are being done? Possibly, but I think they did. Um, they already see saw what's happened over the last year or so as quite a big step in the right direction, bringing in these specialised people. I mean, Gabonini's an interesting one who's very close to Bratichi. So on a personal level, does that change things for him with someone who's close to leaving? Maybe. Um, and, you know, lots of these, you know, the, lots of these guys were brought in by Bratichi, Steinson among them, schooling last summer. Um, so I think ultimately they want to keep the structure. They think the structure is good. And look, bear in mind, it's not like Spurs... Um, were dissatisfied with the work Paratici was doing. You know, they kept him on for a long, long time. Most people would say too long, uh, given what was happening behind the scenes. So I don't think they're they're wanting to sort of overhaul the structure necessarily. Um, you know, it may it may be in the natural churn of things, people come and go. And as I say, someone like Gabonini maybe because of uh, that close relationship with Paratici. But for the moment, no, I think I think they believe in that structure, and. You know, to give them their due, if you look at the transfers under Paratici's watch, I think generally they were pretty good. Um, you know, jury's still out on a lot of them because they only joined a year ago. And I don't think you can judge people after just one season, especially after season 
like, like Spurs had. But when you think of Kudusevsky, Romero, Benton Kerr, I think that's a good core of players to build on. Poro, I think, will be good. Basuma, I think, will could be great in this system under Postacoglu as that sort of lone sitting central midfielder. So, um, yeah, I, I think they're still pretty pretty satisfied with that structure as it is. Before I ask you about position, Sean makes a really good point here. And it's one that I think the Athletic have reported themselves. And Charlie, you might have also reported mm. this, that Spurs are looking at more of a data-driven model. Uh, similar, dare I say, to the likes of Brentford and Brighton. Would would that be almost correct in the way in Spurs are approaching this current summer when they're looking more at the data behind players rather than jumping in headfirst? They're looking at maybe names? Yeah, that's been a big change. And, and you know, with the appointment of Postacoglu as well, it was more, you know, that the, the data, what the numbers were saying was was a big consideration. And that's a that's something they're really um, putting a lot of emphasis on and moving towards. So, yeah, it'll be interesting then, um, yeah, seeing the kind of the signings that they make and whether they are especially different. And, yeah, it might be that there are some that come in and fans uh, are less enamoured with but that there will be, at least you can say, there will be a kind of stat- statistical rationale for why these guys are coming in. And especially Postacoglu plays a pretty specialised system. And so you need to have people who can fit in with that. And I guess a big part of that is looking at their numbers, you know, how press resistant are they? Things like that, that yes, aren't totally quantifiable, but there are ways of um, helping you understand how suitable a player is going to be. Okay, interested. I'm going to bring on to positions and James is going to come back in and ask you about some of the key players that we might be after. Um, it has been widely reported that Spurs are plotting to sign a couple of centre-backs who can play predominantly on the left and on the right side in Postacoglu's central duo. Um, we have also seen reports they could bring in an experienced and a younger centre-back to supplement the squad, along with potentially a winger and a creative midfielder. Um, are those areas that you're specifically aware of yourself? Would you go along with that or is there... Any other positions that Spurs are looking to fill between now and the end of this summer transfer window? So, yeah, my understanding from what I've been told is, yeah, the priority area is a goalkeeper, centre-backs, and that's probably a couple, one of whom could be Clement Longley. I think that would, if they can find a solution to the fact that he's on pretty big wages at Barcelona, but Longley was was really liked and respected the club last season. I know he didn't stand out especially, but I think the view... Um, at the club was that he trained really well, um, the dreaded good around the place sort of cliche. Uh, but I think he was, and I think he's not someone who, you know, he's not going to kick up a fuss about not playing every week. So, it, you know, someone of that sort of profile, even if it's not him, and then more of a kind of first choice, this left-sided centre-back has been, you know, that's been a bit of a saga for a long, long time. And clearly that's something they need. Um, that's priority position. And then that creative midfielder, which again, you could say really since Christian Eriksen, uh, that, that's that been lacking. There may also be a wide forward, but that the, I think ideally that would sort of be, uh, you could bring someone in who could play more centrally and wide, that kind of creative midfielder. So th- those are the priority areas. Um, and... Yeah, that is just it's just finding those players because obviously a lot of clubs who they're competing with are also looking for similar similar players. And that left-sided centre-back, you know, that's become... It's interesting because that's really evolved over the last sort of five years. I don't think before then we really thought in those terms you just kind of had two centre-backs. But now with teams wanting to play out from the back, it's, it's almost essential. And you have seen Spurs run into difficulties without that. And that's part of the reason why they've always played that back three so that they can have a Ben Davis or a Clement Longley or someone like that. Um, to try and fill in, I suppose. Another big position um, that Spurs are looking to fill this summer is goalkeeper. Um, obviously, with with Loris looking like he might be departing the club, um, da- uh, David Raya was a name that's obviously been mentioned, but this kind of early reports this week were suggesting that Spurs might walk away from a deal, uh, considering that Brent- Brentford are asking for quite a lot of money. It sounded like £40 million pounds that they're asking for. Um, so they have been looking at alternative Spurs and um, a guy a lot of people asking for in the, in the comments uh, for us to ask about, Vicario, obviously, of Empoli, an Italian goalkeeper. Um, it'd be interesting to get your take on on kind of the current situation about the, goal, uh, the goalkeeper. Yeah, I mean, I do think um, Rai is a tricky one because, yes, yeah, Spurs really want him. But ultimately, there does come a point at which there's a price point you're not willing to pay and 40 million... 
which is a suggested amount Brentford want for keepers out of contract next year, is a lot. I know I know a lot of people feel that well, goalkeeper is such an important position. Just just do it, just suck it up and do it. We'll see on that one. Yeah, Vic- Vicario is is a, is a cheaper option, um, and I'll be completely honest. He's not someone I know a huge amount about. One one of those people who's come a little out of left field, and who, if that does move, then I'll spend my time uh, watching clips of him, speaking to people who've played with him and coached him, or whatever, to get a sense of what he's about. Because you know, if he's going to come in as first choice, potentially whoever it is who comes in as first choice, and I know we've got a. You know, we'll probably talk about Hugo Lloris, but this Hugo Lloris has been the, the goalkeeper for eleven years, so it's a big it's a big moment, I think, in the evolution of the team um, to move to someone different. As long, but I do think having someone who is comfortable with the ball at their feet could be could be transformative for this team because that was something that did really hold Spurs back last season. And look, I love Lloris; I think he's been brilliant for the club, but I think they just evolved, or football has evolved maybe beyond that and uh yeah that could give Spurs another dimension how important Charlie in your opinion is it to have a real you to say a top class goalkeeper because I mean for me personally it kind of sets the present and the foundations from the very back what you're trying to build and we've heard a lot this summer that Spurs are rebuilding from the very back and then looking forward so, I mean, given the fact that already there's murmurings that Spurs might not be willing to pay the asking price of Brentford, I understand what Jamie's saying, that 40 million is a lot of money to pay for a goalkeeper that's got a year left on his contract. Brentford already already secured his replacement. But, you know, we talk about a guy that's homegrown. That would obviously enable you to bring in another foreign player. That's a massive, massive tick, you have to say. The fact that he's got Premier League experience, again, a massive tick. Um, knowledge, of course, of the way Spurs will want to play out from the back. There's many that maybe feel this is such a good opportunity and it would set the precedent for the summer. Would you go as far as to say that? I mean, in terms of the mood around the fan base, I think we all, I don't want to speak for every single Spurs fan, but I think we all need to feel that we are going in the right direction, the same direction. And for me, the goalkeeper is an absolutely pivotal position in the squad. Have to get this one right down there, Charlie. Simply have to. That is a convincing argument that you've made there. Uh, if... if... <laughs> No, I don't listen to be the best of times. I'm not going to have any decision there, but I just thought it's yeah, so no, important for the squad, I, Charlie. You see where I'm coming from? No, I do. I do. I, and I agree with you. It is, it, it is such an important position. I think it makes a massive difference to how teams play. You've seen that. Look at look at Man United with, with De Gea, who, of course, he's brilliant at doing what he does from a shot-stopping perspective and his reflexes, but he really held them back. Uh, he has really held them back, you know, with the way he can't play out. And you've seen other teams... Bring in a goalkeeper who can, you know, look, at, that was one of the first thing Pep Guardiola did when he moved to City. First thing he did, get rid of Joe Hart, bring in a goalkeeper play out. As it was, it was Claudio Bravo and that didn't work out. But then he got Edison, that transformed them. Liverpool, Allison transformed them. So it is massive. And I think maybe we, there's a lag where we're at now between us realising how important goalkeepers are. Because traditionally that was who you didn't spend a huge amount on. Um, but now, yeah, we're, we're at a point where they are so important to how teams play, but the, the, the market doesn't seem like it's quite caught up with that. You know, they still go for less by and large than other positions. And I wonder if that will change in the next few years. I suspect it probably will. So, yeah, I mean, I agree. I would be tempted um, to go big, but this is the thing we don't always know exactly uh, what's being asked and every, you know, and there's always a knock-on effect, isn't there? If you spend that on a certain player, does that mean other teams look at you and think, oh, they're willing to spend above market rate? So there's there's lots to consider. Spurs aren't in Europe next season, um, which isn't ideal from a financial perspective, clearly, as well as a footballing one. Um, but yeah, I, I think it is a position they have to absolutely get right. And if it isn't Raya, then whoever it is, they, they have to be ready to come in and deal with the press. It's a very pressurised position as well. And under Postacoglu, they are going to be asked to take risks. Um, and so there's going to be, you know, the fans have got to give them the sort of time and space as well to make mistakes. But yeah, I mean, Raya, I love Raya. I think he's fantastic whenever I've seen him. I mean, in that game at the back end of last season, I was just marvelling. But his passing range off his left foot as well as his right, just absolutely sensational. Um, so I think it would be, I think it would be a blow if they don't get him. And then you just hope 
you know, all clubs have second, third targets. You just hope that if it is someone else that they can come in and do a similar job. Yeah, I mean, I just think at the moment, um, final one on it, and I know Jamie, Mark, I know James is coming to ask you about Hugh Lloris. I think for Ange Postacoglu, for how much we see for him, a goalkeeper is such an important factor in the way he does play out from the back. My my biggest thing for me on it, it just kind of sets that president, as I've said, in terms of the mood over the summer. I'm not speaking for every Spurs fan. There I would speak for every Spurs fan. But I just know there's a mood in the fan base that, you know, we want to all feel that we're moving in the right direction. Having a competent goalkeeper in that we've all, in the most politest way that we've all heard of and we're all knowledgeable of. And Raya is certainly that. I think he played ever so well, Charlie, as you referenced, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. You know, he had a couple of great saves, a double save that was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I think he on that day, I think he convinced a lot of Spurs fans that maybe he could be the right man for Hugo Lloris. So it is really, really important. And I'll hand over to Jamie to ask you about potentially the man yeah. he might be replacing. Yeah, I mean, Hugo Lloris has been at the club for 11 years now. Obviously, as you mentioned earlier, a fantastic servant for us brilliant shot stopper um, but we've really seen him kind of come out and speak about potentially leaving the club um, do you think that that's something that Spurs will kind of grant his wish and, and allow him to leave and, and where do you think a potential destination for Loris might be yeah I think he will go and I don't, I don't think Spurs will stand in his way um, the destination one's really interesting because this has been a question that's been coming up like every year for the last few years and uh, there's been interest from Italy um previously the sense was always that he might go back to nice um his first club for whatever reason those options maybe aren't quite so available now um obviously there was talk as well of an offer from saudi arabia which is you know that's probably going to that's going to be something we hear about a lot of players we'll talk about son later as well so i'm curious i don't know i think he probably still has one more move in him elsewhere before going back to France. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it, it, it's, a, it, it's a strange position in a way because it really does depend on where there are vacancies, in inverted commas. You know, you, 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 if you've got a good keeper, you're not going to bring in someone like Lloris because I don't think Lloris is not going to be happy being the number two. And, that, you know, that's one of the things, um, that's one of the reasons why I think he will go because... He just doesn't really want to stay and be a second choice. I think that's completely fair enough. But yeah, I, I'm I'm going to watch that one with interest because if you, you know a year or so ago I would have said he'll go to Italy or he'll go to France. But um, yeah, has, that hasn't quite moved in in the way I thought it would. So so yeah, we'll see. I, and I I'd, I'd be surprised if he moved to the Middle East at this point in his career. But then you know we saw Toby Alderweireld did that a couple of years ago, and I think that took a few people by surprise you know he was a fair bit younger than Norris as well then so yeah we'll have to see on that one one to keep an eye on what we are going to do we are going to go for our first break of the show for our listeners on audio hi everyone crackers here with your update for the legends events that are upcoming couple just before the summer break on the 23rd of june that's a friday in herefordshire at hereford fc Herefordshire Spurs have the one and only Michael Dawson appearing. A few limited tickets left available for that. And July the 7th, that's also a Friday, the one and only Danny Rose is appearing at Penridge Suites, Arnest Grove. Please go to closeencounter.events for your tickets there. So there you go, a couple of events before we take the summer break. Uh, Keep safe. Keep well at Mr. Cracknell on the socials for any further info that you need on those nights. And as always, come on you Spurs. Phoenix 51 is a powerful employee technology enabling organisations to make data-driven decisions at every stage of the employee journey from hiring through benchmarking and development too. The platform provides detailed analytics on the most important asset in your business, your people enabling organizations not only to make the correct hiring decisions but also how to benchmark train and retain them phoenix 51 powering your people decisions through every part of the employee journey john miller wonderful charlie echols chair from the athletic on this last word on spurs of course view from the lane journalist the athletic will be letting charlie test a bit later on about what is coming for a lot of those athletic viewers and readers and for those that want to tune in of course there's lots of content i'm sure coming away over the summer well, hopefully Charlie's reporting on a lot of Tottenham signings. No pressure, Charlie. I hope mm-hmm. you uh, let me have that one. Guys, just a quick reminder with pre-season 
coming up fast approaching that. We are delighted to be sponsored by NordVPN. Uh, you can right now get uh, your free one month and a bonus gift by using the code LWS to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus one month for free. Charlie, you're going to be there, aren't you, of course, for the um, pre-season tour. Before we get back into things, are you looking forward to that? Yeah, I really am. Um, last year was career, and that was amazing. absolutely love being there. This year is Perth. Um, obviously a different part of Australia, but, you know, for Postacoglu, uh, I think that would be quite cool. Scott Munn as well. Um, and then on to Bangkok and Singapore. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm really excited about that. And, you know, it's a good, as a journalist, it's a really good, those summer tours are great. You get, you know, you get good access to the players and people around the club. You really get a sense of what's going on. I mean, it's funny now because I think about last summer and career and all the optimism that there was around the place. Um, mm. Obviously, how things then, how things then worked out. Um, but yeah, that should be fun. And I hope I have lots of fun things, fun features and things to write while I'm out there. And um, yeah, first glimpse of some new signings potentially. Mm. Now, hopefully, a couple of those new signings will be some central defenders because I think it's very clear that that's an area that Postecoglou will hope to strengthen in. Um, obviously, a lot of fans want us to do that as well because conceded so many goals last season. I think it was 63 in total in the league, which is quite a shocking stat. Um, obviously, we've been linked with a couple of uh, names. Uh, Tapsoba, obviously a Bayer and a really good young central defender. Uh, Imeric Laporte, which obviously sounds like a very ambitious one, but that's another name that's been linked. Maguire, obviously Max Kilman as well is another name. Um, do we know of kind of any targets at the moment that Spurs are looking at in central defence? And um, do you think there could be a big overhaul in central defence this, this summer? Yeah, I mean, those are all ones... Um, Mark Gay is another one who I've heard mentioned. Um, he's someone Spurs have been looking at for a while. Really good player, really, really talented. I think would fit the bill for what they're after, but he wouldn't come cheap. Um, and yeah, there are lots of players in that position you think might be on the way out. Yeah, 12 Eric Dyer's got 12 months left on his contract. Davinson Sanchez, I think, could be on it, could be on the way. Got Joe Roden, Tanganga, who. You know, his futures are fairly uncertain. Joe Roden obviously coming off the back of the lo- back of a loan. Tanganga having not played a great deal in the last couple of years, really. So it is an area where I think there's going to be there's going to be quite a lot of churn. And you 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 know you're talking about a situation as I mentioned before where you're evolving from um, you know playing with three at the back to playing with four. So the profile of player that you're looking for is slightly different all of a sudden. Um, so yeah, I, I'm. I think it'll be really interesting to see who they end up with there. And again, like we were talking about with the goalkeeper, you need someone really comfortable with their feet. That's going to be something that um, Postacoglu demands of them. So we might see, you know, I, I can't imagine someone like Davinson Sanchez coming in now because of the, the type of defender that he is. So I think there will be, I think there will be quite a lot of evolution and churn in that area. Um and yeah, they, they are ones they have to get right because, as you say, that that the, the amount of goals they conceded last season was astonishing. I think I think per game it was their worst ever in the Premier League, um, which is amazing, really, when you think of some of the defenders they've had in years gone by and when they were, you know, under our dealers and that sort of thing when they played in a pretty attacking way. And before people have a go at me for this, this is just a question. I'm going to ask Charlie. This is just a question before I start getting lots of abuse for this. Um, one of the squad options, as you actually mentioned, Charlie, so I'm going to blame you for this. I'm not going to take the blame for this. Would be to bring back Clement Longley. Um, the club, of course, did announce the end of his loan as a formality last week, and there were suggestions already that Spain would be well. Spain or Barcelona would be willing to maybe let him go for a nominal fee. I mean, many would argue it could make sense from a business perspective. You buy him for five, you could flip him for fifteen, twenty in a year's time. Do you have a feeling Spurs might? Revisit that one towards the end of the window, depending, of course, who they do get in centre-back-wise. Yeah, quite possibly. As I said, I think he is, he's well thought of at the club. They think he did a good job. They think he was solid, good around the place, not uh, someone who's going to kick up a fuss about not starting every week. I think, to me, yeah, he's he's fine as a kind of backup option, especially as left-sided centre-backs are quite scarce. I think it just has to be that it's, he's that, he's a backup option. He's not, coming in as first choice because yeah I just think Spurs need someone of a level more like Christian Romero um, as inconsistent as he's been at times I still think the potential is great there so I think they need someone with a higher ceiling than uh, Longley who's more to me a kind of steady Eddie uh, backup type 
And obviously, in terms of um, departures in central defence, there's a lot of players that feel like they do need to move on at the moment. Obviously, Davinson Sanchez, um, he's coming to the near the end of his contract as well. Uh, Jaffet Tanganga, another player. Obviously, Joe Roden returning from his loan spell. Um, and it'll be interesting to get your take on Dyer as well, because he's obviously another player who's got 12 months left on his contract. So, again, are we expecting maybe a couple to, to, to go out in, in central defence? Yeah, I think so, as, as long as they can get... Um... As long as they can get buyers, I mean Tanganga, I think will either be loaned out, probably, probably more likely a loan, um, though he could be sold. And he's only got two years left on his deal. Um, Sanchez, I think they'd certainly like to get rid of. Uh, whether they'd find a well, they'll find a buyer, but whether they find someone who'll pay much, I'm slightly skeptical of. Given he's only got a year left on his contract and hasn't been in the best of form of late. Eric Dyer, yeah, I mean, Dyer's got a decision to make. I guess the club have a decision to make what he does because, yeah, he's entering that last year. Coming to a point of his career where he might think, do I want a new challenge? Um, would it be best for everyone if he moves on? I mean, he, he's such an interesting player, Dyer. I was talking about this with someone yesterday. Like he, He's always loved by managers, whoever's managing him. But I think a lot of fans um, feel less positive towards him. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see what that one, where that one goes. But that's definitely an area where I think they will try and thin out the squad, which will be a theme of the summer. They've got so many players they need to get rid of, really, because the squad's just too big and they're not in Europe, so there just aren't that many minutes to go around. Do you get a feeling, Charlie, just with the number of centre-backs we've had or we've got at the moment, that it will be an element that we have to maybe sell a couple before we can buy in? Maybe, yeah. I mean, not even from a financial perspective necessarily, but yeah, just from a numbers perspective. Because you, you, it's always tricky that, isn't it? You know, do you do you sell first or do you buy first? But then when you're, but then clubs know you're desperate to sell. <laughs> so it's kind of tricky. Like it's always a bit of, bit of cat and mouse there. Um, but I, de- yeah, I definitely think they can't, they can't go into the season because numbers wise, they've already got a lot of centre-backs and they're going from playing with three centre-backs to two. Um, so yeah, I think, I think they will have to get rid of some, um, and the, or the, the sequence in which that happens will be interesting. Maybe there's scope for swaps and exchanges, but I think, uh, yeah, some teams are a little, are a little wary of doing that. I want Jamie, I'm going to let Jamie take my next question. Cause I think I want one further one to ask you just in relation to this, um, centre-back situation. Um, what do you personally feel, Charlie, Spurs will end up with, if you don't mind me asking you that, in terms of come the start of the season or end of the window, do you generally feel we will have that top-class centre-half next to Christian Romero? Or do you generally feel it will end up being, in the most polite way I put this, a long lay or somebody mm. not of adequate ability next to Romero? What's your gut feeling on it at the moment? That's a yeah. It's a really hard one because I'm sure, like many Spurs watchers, I've had moments thinking, you know, would it be someone like Bastoni? He he was the what he was the guy who window after window seemed like he was being linked with, and he thought it'd be so perfect. Certainly, he would be so perfect, but yeah, it's, I don't think that one's going to happen now. Um, I really don't know. I think I think it is sort of fifty fifty because we've seen before. There was Milan Skriniar as well back in 2020. You know, that one was close. Like we've seen with Raya, I think they'll they'll do a lot to try and get the player, but there is there will be a limit. I don't think they will. They're not going to go and spend a you know huge huge sums on that left side of centre backs because I thought you know I thought it was going to happen last summer um, that they were going to do that. That was what Conte wanted. Mourinho had wanted it the summer uh, two summers before. And it didn't happen, you know. And if you remember, they brought Longley in pretty early in the window, really. It was like mid-July. And that almost signalled, like, the waving of the white flag in 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 the sense of what sort of left-sided centre-back they were going to go over it, go after. It was much more of a stopgap, which took me by surprise a bit because I thought last summer that was, that was such a priority area um that they would push the boat out and i know that's how antonio conte felt you know he felt that was so pivotal to his system so the fact they didn't do it then they didn't do it in 2020 means i'm a little bit skeptical um yeah i i, I certainly don't think it's a guarantee that this <laughs> this long-awaited kind of mythical uh holy grail left side of center back um will come 
I hope it does because I think it would make a massive difference to the team. But yeah, I don't think it's a guarantee. Another area of the squad that we are quite bloated in is um, is wing back. Uh, obviously, Ivan Perisic, uh, Sergio Reguilon, another name, Jed Spence, and, and Ryan Sessiong. Obviously, all players who have kind of really struggled to get into the first team. Um, what, what do we kind of think about their futures? Are, are these players that maybe might move on? Maybe obviously the likes of Jed Spence. Will he get an opportunity to kind of prove himself under Postacoglu? Um, what, what are we kind of expecting with, with those four players? Yeah, so Perisic, I wouldn't be surprised to see move on. I think there's fairly universal acknowledgement that it hasn't really worked out as was hoped. Um, then Regulon is free to go, m- more or less. I mean, look, the, the line very much from Spurs and from Postacoglu is that every player is going to arrive with a clean slate and that he'll look at them which I'm sure is true. But I think, um, yeah, my my sense is that Regulon and, and Perisic are the ones more likely to move on than those others. I mean, Sessignon, Sessignon has played a fair amount when he's been fit. Obviously, that's just been the issue with him, really, since he joined Spurs, is just getting that consistency um, of availability. He's got two years left on his contract. Feels like a bit of a crossroadsy moment for him. Jed Spence, I'm really interested by because... I think he he could play either as that more attacking wing back or he he's a he's a great defender. I think people think of him as being, you know, someone who just flies forward and can't really defend. At Forest, actually, he was more revered for his defensive abilities in a kind of like Wambasaka way of just like no one can get past this guy. Um, so I'd be really interested to see what Postacogli does with him and just how much of a chance he gets because you know he was the guy. I'm sure when we were chatting this time last year, there was l- so much chat about Ed Spence. When Spence going to come and and all of this, it became, <laughs> you know, uh, almost a daily question that was being asked. And he did, and then it didn't work out. So that will be a really interesting one. Look, I'd be surprised. I'd be disappointed if if he is loaned out again because I think he he needs minutes. But that said, they've got Poro and Emerson Royale, and Emerson Royale actually had a really good luck season last season. So they are well stocked there. So that again, there's going to have to be movement there. And that and that's why I think this summer is so challenging because there are so many players that need to move on to thin the squad. I did a piece on the kind of the the state of Spurs squad and it's so bloated and they've got to streamline it further because they're not in Europe and then they still want to bring players in. So yeah. you're talking about double figures plus players that you're trying to move on in a pretty bad market to be honest especially when you're talking about if you want to sell to, to clubs abroad the money's just not there yeah yeah so obviously one of three positions that I've, i feel was a real priority we spoke about two of them a goalkeeper and a central defender um another one is an attacking midfield obviously it's been a long time since we've had like that real creative guy obviously christian erickson was, was that guy that very much seen how much we've missed him um there's been a number of names linked obviously james madison one that's been strongly linked Harvey Barnes, um, Alex Scott is another very interesting one at Bristol City. Obviously, a guy who does seem to have some sort of affiliation for Spurs. We've seen him kind of posting about Spurs when he was younger. Um, and another one that was linked to that as well was was uh, Xavi Simmons. Obviously, that the guy who early days was very big at Barcelona and PSG as well. Currently, um, currently at PSV um, over in the Netherlands. Um, this is a position that you feel as well really needs strengthening in and and do you think that that's that's what will Spurs will look to fill this summer yeah that's definitely one of the priority positions both in my view and more much more importantly the club's view um again we we, we have been here before to an extent I remember last summer hearing whispers about James Madison um that didn't happen Spurs have been looking at Madison since he was at Coventry um and have never really pushed the boat out to try and get him um could this be the summer? Yeah, it could, but Leicester are asking for a lot of money. Um and that's gonna be that's gonna be another potential rare situation where it's how far how willing are Spurs to go on that. You've got Newcastle in the background as well, though they may go for cheaper options. Uh as also, but yeah, that he he's he's definitely someone who feels like I mean, I, I think Madison's an amazing player. The goal he scored at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium last season was just sensational, and he, you know, he he has that star quality. Maybe the positionally speaking, a downside is that he can't really play as a wide forward. I know he played there for England the other night, and he, he's done it a bit, but I don't think that suits him so well. And I think ideally, you'd have someone who can play centrally and wide to sort of 
solve two issues in one potentially. Um, but yeah, that that position is is so crucial. And but I think it will come in a slightly different way because I think it will be that. Um, assuming that's something similar to what he did at Celtic, I think it will be the system of the six and then the two eights. And you certainly need, you know, I think someone like Benton Cool would be great in more of a kind of getting up and down, you know, finding pockets of space, linking things, stitching things together. But then, yeah, you do want that guy on the other side potentially to to be that creative hub. And that's where someone like Madison, well, I, I just think he could be brilliant. You know, him linking up with Son and Kane, um, but not an easy one to get done. Jeremy might have the answer for you in the next question, but I'll ask you, Charlie, how, impo- how important for you is it, this creative midfielder? You alluded to the fact that Spurs haven't had that since Christian Eriksen. Like the goalkeeper position, is this almost a, an absolutely crucial position of the way Postacoglu wants to set up this Spurs side ahead of next season? So in terms of the options that he's got, and Jamie will ask you about, obviously, one of our current players where he could do that. But for you, is that an absolutely fundamental position Spurs have to look at? I think so, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously Spurs still did score quite a lot of goals last season. Um, obviously, as we mentioned, they also conceded a lot. And Harry Kane is so good at doing what a conventional number 10 would, but there has been an over-reliance on him. So, yeah, I do think it's, it is it is a really, really important position. Maybe not to me quite as absolutely pivotal as like getting a good goal, a good ball playing goalkeeper is but yeah it's still it's still one of the areas they need to sort out mm. now uh, this is not definitely not me suggesting that he's going to be the answer to those issues but uh Tongi and Dombele of course he's a <laughs> guy who's coming back from his loan spell in Italy um having won another uh, having won a league title which is quite incredible to say um Obviously, didn't play too much for, for that Napoli team. And uh, yeah, as I said, wasn't like a massive part of that team. But do you think this is a guy that Postacoglu will take a look at? And and maybe you might have, a, I don't know how many chances have been now. I think it's chance number five, I think, um, of him coming back. Is there any possibility that um, Tongi might re- resurrect his career at Spurs? I referenced this in the piece I did on sort of who might benefit from Postacoglu coming in that... At the very least, a new manager means we can all write our sort of, is this the moment for Tongi and Dombele pieces? Um, so, yeah, <laughs> thanks to Ange for that. Um, look, going back to what I said, the message about everyone getting a chance, yeah, in theory he will. And, and yeah, I think he could, he could be great as one of those two eights in theory. But how many times have we, you know, we've been once bitten, twice shy, I guess, with him because, you know, many times we've thought, this could be the moment for him. Um, I'm just not sure the amount of ground that you're asked to cover, the sort of relentlessness with which you're asked to press. I don't know necessarily if he's got that in him. Frustratingly, you know, Postacoglu loves press-resistant players and he's an amazingly press-resistant player. So I think he's got some of the things, he'd be perfect in some ways, but I just, I'm just i not sure if he's got the whole package for, yeah. for what Postacoglu is looking for. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a shame with Tongi because I know a lot of people say that he's such a talented player and obviously on the ball he is. But I think as that as you're right, that whole package, he just doesn't offer enough in terms of his work rate and, and that. So that's a real shame. Um, but there are a couple of other midfielders that are also being linked with the move away. Um, of course, another guy, another midfielder who's returning from a loan spell in Italy is Harry Winks. Um, I think he was relegated with Sampdoria. So not a great loan spell for him. Le Celso, another name who's returning from, from on loan. And Hoybier, that's quite an interesting name that's obviously been linked with a move away. I think he was being linked with Bayern Munich. Obviously, that would be a return for him. Um, are we expecting any of these players to maybe move on this summer? I think Winks, um, yeah, he's certainly uh, he's certainly one I'd expect to, to move on. Then there's Le Celso again. He'll get a chance and, and could could fit into the system, but I think it's tough once you've already been loaned out. Um, and then Hoybier is interesting. I think a lot of people uh, are skeptical about how well he'll fit into Postecoglou's system. And I must say, if I look at what Ange did at Celtic, there's not an obvious spot for him. I don't I don't think he can play in that lone six role. I'm also not convinced he can play as one of the eights. Um, but he's, you know, he's another one like Badaya, who I said, you know, every manager loves uh, Hoybier. So, yeah, that may that may be the case with Postacoglu as well. Um, 
that you know and, and just he, he's a good squad option even if he's not starting every week um but yeah i think i think for winks um it's a shame but i yeah i i, I think it's probably he'll probably be on the move Charlie, how quickly out of interest do you think we'll see movement on some of these players? I mean, the lone players, because again, what you tend to find, as you know, with the tour, is you get that statement from Spurs to say, these players have travelled, these haven't made it, they're going to be left behind and looking for moves. So do you honestly think that, you know, once kind of players are back in pre-season, we'll get to know fairly quickly where a lot of these players' futures do stand? I know obviously Andrew's got to come in, he's not going to have a lot of time to judge them, but I mean, given the fact, I think we've got, when you consider all those lone players coming back, I think it's a 37-man squad. So, for the sake we're going to be playing one game a week, pretty much most of the time, apart from when those domestic mm-hmm. cups come into play, a lot of players that need to have their futures pretty much clarified, right? Yeah, well, that was something that we saw last season on, on as we were heading off to Korea. Spurs announced that four of the players was it Regulon, Celso, and Dombele and Winks wouldn't be on the tour again. It's a bit of a dilemma because you are playing your hand by doing that. You're basically saying to any interested buyer, we're we want to get these players off our hands. Then the other side, though, is do you bring them on the tour if you have no intention really of playing them that season? So it's all, uh, these are all the kind of decisions you've got to balance out. I don't I don't know if Postacoglu will do something similar this year. I think it might be a bit more inclusive. Um, you know, everyone gets a chance kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I I I think we might see a slightly different situation with that compared to last year where Conte was very much like, these guys don't have a future under me. And then look, you saw none of them got fees, did they? They, they had to no. loan all four of them. So Yeah. It's interesting how that will play out, of course, I say once pre-season does get underway. And look, one man, it has quietened down on his future. That's not me looking to, you know, kind of light any touch paper at all. And that's in relation to Harry Kane, of course, Spurs' poster boy of the football club. Do you think, Charlie, if he does enjoy working the Posta Coglu, it's an attacking brand of football, of course, one in which that he enjoyed under Maurizio Pochettino, you'd say as well, that is it beyond any realm that he could still commit his future to the club? Where do you think we do stand on Harry Kane at the moment as things are? We kind of time check this 21st of June as we approach 9pm, so we can't be misquoted. Yeah, no, I um, my hunch is still that he will stay this summer and then go on a free next summer. <laughs> Um, obviously a lot could change between now and then. But yeah, I think on, on the manager's point, I wrote a piece on this that I think Spurs maybe had the idea that if they brought in a Mourinho or a Conte, that might convince Kane to stay because it would be a kind of like, look, we're a serious club. We've got this big name manager in. Don't you want to be a part of that? And that didn't really work because yes, while he enjoyed working under them, he didn't sign a new contract under either of them. Um, my view, and I wrote this, this was before Postacoglu was appointed, but was that, Ultimately, the best way to convince Kane to stay is to get someone in who makes him and the club believe that they're actually moving in the right direction and that they're, they're training on a really basic level, that training is fun. You're coming in, you're enjoying being at the club and enjoying coming to work every day. And so I think Postacoglu will do those things and that will give Spurs a chance. It's not a guarantee, but no manager's guarantee. You know, Conte and Mourinho wasn't, didn't guarantee anything um, with regards to Kane signing a new contract. So, yeah, I think if... That's the thing. you know if it looks like they're moving in the right direction, then there is a possibility. Um, but it does still feel a long way up. That does still feel a long way off at the moment because we're talking. If you strip away the emotion, which is a, which obviously is a part of it, but talking about a team who aren't in Europe, who finished eighth last year, who were a shambles for a lot of the season. I just I don't know if that's enough for him. Hmm. Yeah, now another player, obviously his um, his strike partner and the guy he's got that unbelievable record with in terms of combining for goals. Um, Min Son, uh, we saw on Monday that obviously a story came out. I think it was ESPN that were reporting it. Um, it was being linked with a move uh, to Saudi Arabia. Um, he's obviously since come out and kind of dismissed that and says he wants to remain in the Premier League. Do you think there's kind of any chances that uh, maybe some of our other stars in, in the team and maybe even some of the dead wood might be looked at by, by some of these Saudi clubs? I think everyone's hoping the dead wood will, you know, the Saudi clubs will come in with a 50 million bid for whoever. Um, yeah, Sonny, I mean, I was on Monday night, I was speaking to people about that and they were steering me away from it, saying Son wouldn't want to go. Uh, and obviously then the following day, as you say, he came out and, and said that publicly. I think the I mean look, the Saudi 
um, the emergence of these Saudi clubs is is big, it is significant. Um, and I think it's going to affect all Premier League clubs, whether directly or indirectly. You know, it, everyone's affected by, by if Saudi clubs come and buy Chelsea Deadwood and get them out of this hole they're in because that strengthens Chelsea's position. And, you know, clubs like Spurs on some level are competing with Chelsea for players or, you know, there's such a domino effect. Um, so I don't know if there are specific players that Spurs will have to brace themselves for offers from, but probably because I think the ambition from Saudi Arabia is enormous. Mm. And I think they are going to be targeting players from all, all the biggest clubs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that obviously, not many, as Ricky mentioned, not kind of a lot of moving out of the club at the moment. And uh, yeah, very jealous of seeing maybe Chelsea move some of their guys off. So <laughs> it would be nice if Saudi could come and do us a favour as well. But um, obviously, two kind of, kind of questions combined into one. Um, firstly, what do you think would constitute a successful season um, in, in Andrew Postacoglu's first campaign here? And the question we like to ask all the journalists um, at the end of the show, kind of how many how many signings do you expect Spurs to make between now and the end of the window? Hmm. Well, I'll start with the success. Yeah, I think um, I think I was saying before to you guys, I fair, wasn't I? Like, I think for me, success this season, and this sounds a bit wishy-washy, but I think Spurs fans will know what I mean, having watched the team over the last few years, is, is, is that Postacoglu, yes, hopefully they finish as high as possible, but I think if they if if the season finishes and there's a real sense that they are moving in the right direction and we can see the kind of football that he wants to play and that the players are buying into it and that the fans are buying into it and that 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 sort of triangulation between fans, uh, players and coach that there is that sort of unity that hasn't been in a long time. I think I think that will be a success. And look, that might be Spurs getting top four. It might be Spurs finishing seventh. Um, but just a feeling that they're moving in the right direction, um, I, th- I think, will be really, really important. And you know that there are some games where they that they're, they're playing entertaining football, and you really feel that connection again between the fans and the team. I think will be huge. And then on the signings point, how many players do I think they'll sign? Um, uh, well, goalkeeper will be two defenders, mm. that creative midfielder, and then probably like a fifth kind of wild cardy option. You know, there's often that player who, you know, might be one a bit more for the future or something. So, uh, yeah, I'll go with five. Yeah. And you're going to tell us, Charlie, it's still early, right? Still early, nothing to panic about? Still very early. Still very early. (laughs) No panic, guys. We've got months more of this to come. Oh, the delight of it. Jason McGovern, one of our fellow Spurs, last one on Spurs contributors, you'll be loving hearing that. (laughs) <laughs> Charlie, it's always a pleasure having you on last one on Spurs. You play a massive part in the Spurs community with the athletic and what you do and also your optimistic nature on mm. you from the lane. So where can people be checking out your content through the summer? I'm sure you'll be reporting a lot on what Spurs are doing and not doing potentially. And of course, yeah. keeping our heads above water on View from the Lane, where can people check out all the great work yeah, you do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, View from the Lane uh, is our is the athletic Spurs pod and it's twice weekly. Uh, obviously not uh, during the off season, um, but yeah, that's that's uh, one place to go. And then the athletic, um, yeah, we're there's so much stuff there that we do on Spurs. On a you know, we're, we're doing big pieces every week, um, and that's big features. Did one recently, uh, big thing on Postacoglu. Um, yeah, speaking to various former players of his and coaches and colleagues and, and things like that. Um, yeah, so so that's the kind of stuff you can get. And I'm on Twitter at CD Eccleshare and I link to all the podcasts, all my articles, everything there. Um, so, yeah, that's the best place to go. And I suppose an ideal way, Charlie, to end this, I'm sure you would like Spurs to go after all their first cho- first choices because we saw the amount of work you put into Arnie's slot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I won't even ask you the amount of hours you put in of research talking to Arnie's friends in, the, uh, yeah. in his contingent for that to go exactly. wrong. So I'm sure you're, as well as us, looking for hopefully Spurs to get their first choices, right? Yeah, it's a really fine art because you've got to have pieces ready to go in case, you know, mm. signing happens, but you don't want to go too early because then, yeah, you get in an honor slot situation where 
yeah, I, I had like a four or five thousand word piece ready, multiple interviews, etc. I might, I might just put it online somewhere on like Medium or something <laughs> so people can read it. It's, it'll be there with my um, piece on how a Dharma Triore was going to fit oh, into <laughs> Those are, those are my two big ones. Um, but yeah, generally, generally, just about got the balance right. But yeah, you're gonna get, you're gonna lose some, unfortunately. I sincerely hope, and I feel bad saying this, is Vicario the new David Ray already? Where yeah. Charlie's already have to go another piece lined <laughs> up where he's going tomorrow quickly on the phone frantically, gotta find Vicario's teammates and what they make of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just tell me anything about this guy. Man, okay, it is going to be a very long summer. It's been an absolute pleasure, Jamie. Thank you mm. so much, bud. You'll be joining us. Still going on this transfer window hunt as to what Spurs do. Let's keep our fingers crossed, Jay, yeah? Yeah, I hope so. And yeah, obviously, just to come back on Charlie's point about what will constitute a successful season, I think 100% spot on. Uh, I remember in Maurizio Pochettino's first season, I think there were some very difficult times to start off with. I think even just before that Villa game where Harry Kane scored that free kick, I think probably the last time he scored a free kick. But um, before that, he was under big pressure. But... I remember just seeing kind of a lot in that team that you could kind of see what they were looking to build. And um, I think Charlie's kind of spot on there, just trying to get some identity back in this team and, and hopefully some sort of attacking philosophy. I know a lot of Spurs fans really keen for that. So, uh, yeah, obviously a really good show. Um, some fantastic insight from Charlie. And uh, yeah, looking looking forward now, go and do some research on Vicario. Um, and then I'm sure it will go to waste. The Spurs love to waste our time. But yeah, yeah really good show. Yeah, I mean, I think, fingers crossed, we're going to end it on a high as Jamie tries to bring the Vicario line down on us. We shall see what the summer holds in store from the brilliant Jamie Brown at the Daily Hotspur and the superb Charlie Eccleshare from The Athletic. Make sure you go and check out View from the Lane, all of Charlie's articles, of course, on The Athletic. Guys, keep safe, keep well. We'll be back with you before you know it. And as always, come on, you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network.